This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. Welcome to the Elisa Childers podcast. We have a special live episode today. We're going live to Instagram. Hi, Instagram. We're going, oh, I got to turn Instagram on. Hang on. I'm not live on Instagram yet. <laughs> hey, Instagram. So, hey, Facebook and YouTube, we're live streaming to all three platforms today, which we have never done. And around here, what we do is equip Christians to identify the core beliefs of historic Christianity, discern its counterfeits, and proclaim the gospel with clarity, kindness, and truth. And we are going to continue to do that. Nothing of that is going to change. Uh, so today I'm going to be making a big announcement. We're actually launching a brand new platform, and I'm so excited, you guys. But I do want to make it clear that this platform, the theology, the apologetics, none of that is changing. Our episodes are going to continue just as they always have. But I have a super exciting announcement to let you know about a new platform we're launching. I'm going to let you know about that in a moment. But here's a little hint. Today's episode is all about worship, all about music. One of the most common questions that I receive when I'm out speaking or through the website is my thoughts about the state of contemporary Christian music or the state of worship music and the songs that we sing in our churches. And that's something that happens a lot when I'm out doing Q&As. So we're going to dedicate the whole episode to your questions about worship and about music. So we're going to take questions from Instagram. We're going to take questions from YouTube and Facebook. So if you have a question about anything that has to do with music, music or worship. Feel free to go ahead and put the word question in all caps or a capital Q so we can scroll through and find your question. And we'll just make today's episode all about worship because that is something that I am very excited about. It's something that hasn't really made its way into my apologetics uh, material very much, but it should because it is fully integrated. How what we think about God, which is theology, will impact what we proclaim about him in our worship, right? And so I have actually found that becoming more intellectually committed to my faith has deepened my worship. And that's just not a side that I've really had the opportunity to share publicly very much over the past 10 years. So with that said, without any further ado, the announcement is this. I am so excited to introduce you to Elisa Childers' music. And let me tell you a bit about the story and then I'll tell you where to go. So over the past of the, ten, of, of the last 10 years, of course, as I've shared on the podcast many, many, many times, I uh, had a really intense faith crisis, wrote a book about it over 10 years ago. And over the course of the last 10 years, as God was rebuilding my faith, even as I started my apologetics platform, even as I started my uh, YouTube channel and my podcast, I have every once in a while, I'll just go sit down at the piano. And this is something that would happen when I felt particularly maybe overwhelmed, maybe um, when I had a huge battle I was going through, or I needed to remind myself of the truths of who God is. And other times when I just needed to emotionally connect with him and I wanted to sing praises and just worship him from my heart at the piano. Now, I never thought that 
any of those songs would see the light of day. I just, that, that was dead to me. I honestly had let that dream die. And I was fully submitted to this path that God has me on more in the speaking and the book writing arena, which is still going to continue. None of that is going to change. But I guess about, I think it was probably about a year and a half ago, my friend Monique Dusan, which many of you know, Monique from the Center for Biblical Unity. And she had found an old song of mine on YouTube called The Battle is the Lord's. And she wrote to me and said, I, I keep listening to this song. It's really ministering to me. You should record some music. And that was the first time I thought, hmm, maybe, maybe that could be something that could happen. And so over the next year or so, when I would write a new song, or I would even send her some old ones that I had been writing, and she would say, encourage me, continue to encourage me. So she was very influential in this happening. Well, then, I guess around that time, about a year ago, my husband and I met with a good friend of ours. His name is Scott Williamson. He's a producer here in Nashville. We go way back. And we just thought, you know, what would be the possibility? What would this look like? And we began talking about it. And then several months ago, we pulled the trigger and we've recorded five brand new songs. Well, they're brand new to you. They're not new to me. Some of them are 10 years old because they're the songs that I've been sitting down at the piano and writing. But we've recorded a five song EP. It is so beautiful. I'm so happy with it. I'm so excited. And so I'm introducing today uh, the platform, Elisa Childers Music. Now, let me tell you what, where you can go, all the places, okay? So if you're interested in finding out more about it, um, we are. I have pages up already on Instagram and Facebook, and those are at Elisa Childers Music. Very simple. So if you go to Facebook slash at, or facebook.com slash at Elisa Childers Music, uh, same with Instagram, and uh, you can find those. And if you wanna follow those pages, that's where I'll be doing my updates on the music. I'm not going to continue to promote that on this, this platform. Every once in a while, I'll give announcements on this platform, but this platform's gonna stay pretty much as it's been, right? So if you wanna follow along the journey of the music, go to those platforms. Now on YouTube, we've just launched a brand new YouTube channel. And that is youtube.com slash at, you have to do the at sign, Elisa Childers Music. And I'm gonna actually play for you the trailer that we have uploaded there. So you don't need to go there right now. I'm gonna show it to you in just a moment. And um, what you're gonna hear, the music that you're about to hear from that, again, that's youtube.com slash at Elisa Childers Music. It's really important you put that at sign in there because if you just put in Elisa Childers Music, it's gonna take you to a page that I don't run that, that has some of my old music. I don't even know who runs that, but um, you have to do the at Elisa Childers Music on YouTube. But um, the music that you're about to hear is a song called Your Grace Is Enough. And for those of you who have read my first book, Another Gospel, and particularly those of you who listened to it on Audible, um, you will remember that I sang a couple of times in the audiobook. And at the end of the book, I closed the book out with some lyrics. And I, uh, it, 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 it looks over, the song looks over different parts of my life, different times in my life that were particularly difficult for me that God used to work goodness and his glory through. At the time I was going through them, I couldn't see the good in it. It was just, man, I, my heart is broken. This does not feel good. I'm going through doubt. My, I'm losing my faith. Just, this does not feel good. So all of these times, and then just reminding myself that your grace is enough. It always has been enough. And so this is a song that's very special to me because the lyrics have already been published in my book. And so uh, we, we recorded it, and I'm going to give you a little sneak peek of that in a moment. But what I do want to let you know is that what you're going to see right now is the trailer for the album. The album is called Beauty from the Ash. You're going to see the trailer, but also uploaded to the Adelisa Childers Music YouTube channel is a full lyric video. So you can listen to the entire song of Your Grace is Enough. And that's available right now. That's up already. Now, before I play you the trailer, I do want to let you know that the EP, so it's a five-song EP, it's going to be exclusive to alisachilders.com until January. And so right now, you can uh, pre-order 
uh, the the album. And so here's what you're going to get with the pre-order. When you go to alisachilders.com slash music, I know I'm saying a lot of links. I'll put these in the comments as well. alisachilders.com slash music. Right now, you can pre-order. And what you're going to get is a, a physical signed copy, a CD, a physical CD that is signed. You're also going to get free downloads of all five songs and free shipping. And that's $12. So that's available right now on alisachilders.com. I'm going to play you the trailer, and then I want to give you a little bit more behind the scenes of why we're doing this and why we're doing it the way we're doing it. All right? So now Instagram, I'm going to play this trailer. You're not going to be able to see it, but you're going to be able to hear it. Okay? But you can also go to at Childers Music on YouTube, and you can watch it at your leisure, okay? So here is the trailer for the EP, Beauty from the Ash. From the Ash was something I never saw coming. I didn't think I was going to make any more music. I spent several years as a part of the contemporary Christian music group Zoe Girl back in the late 90s, early 2000s. And right after Zoe Girl, I went through a faith crisis, an intellectual faith crisis, where I doubted everything I'd believed and nearly lost my faith. And so there was this process of rebuilding intellectually, which led me to what I do mainly now, which is write books and speak about theology and apologetics. But I had kind of let the music dream die, and I didn't think I was ever going to make music again. And over the course of the last 10 years, every once in a while, I would just come and sit down at the piano by myself and just sing and worship. And it was such a sweet and special time for me because God had moved me into this completely other realm where that just wasn't happening. And so there were times when I would write songs to minister to my own self, or I would write songs just to glorify God and sometimes to emotionally reconnect with Him. And so I never thought these songs would see the light of day, but I remember praying a few years ago and just saying, God, if if there would be a, a way for others to maybe be ministered to by these songs, would you open that door? And so I'm very excited and thankful that it's here. There it is. There it is. So that's the trailer for Beauty from the Ash. Right now, by going to alisachilders.com slash music, that's where the pre-order is available. It will ship on October 24th. So it's coming out on October 24th. This is a great idea for Christmas presents if you have somebody that you think might be blessed. Um, what I want to talk about now is a little bit about our philosophy, why we're doing this the way we're doing it. And then I want to walk you through the songs on the album, and then I'm going to open it up for your questions. So I just would love to hear whatever questions you have. They can be specifically about this project, or they can be about worship or music in general, and I'll do my best to answer. But I, I mentioned before, the, before I showed the video that the music is going to be available exclusively through alisachilders.com to begin with. And there's a specific reason we're doing that. Number one, um, we're not going through the traditional route. We're not going through a record label. We're not going through that route at all. We, we didn't even try to. Not that, I'm not saying they'd want to, but I'm just saying we didn't even try to. Uh, I did the whole uh, Christian music business thing before, and I just I don't want to go that route again. So what we're viewing the exclusive content on the website to be something along the lines of um, what you might 
consider to be like a Kickstarter. It's going to come out either way, and it's mostly finished, but we're uploading the pre-order in our minds to kind of help offset some of the cost of making uh, this music, because it's very expensive to make music. You, there's a lot of moving parts with it. So um, if you want to support the music, that pre-order is a great way to just spend $12 and really help out getting this music out because we're not going through a traditional way. We're funding it all ourselves. So that's number one. The second reason that I'm not going through the traditional labels is, and, and I'm just going to give you my conviction on this. I'm not saying that it is uh, sinful for somebody else to do something different, but this is my con conviction. Years ago, when uh, I was in the contemporary Christian music industry on a label, it was around the time that the whole—I'm um, not even going to say name like the name of the company, but you all, you all know it. It's a company that all the worship music goes through, and churches have to buy a license and pay royalties just to sing the songs in their services. That has never sat right with me. It's one thing to buy a CD or to download a song and pay money for that. That's different. You're supporting the product that might not be a product you hold in your hands, but it's still— um, cost somebody something to make, right? But it costs nothing to sing a song in your worship service, and it's my conviction that that should be free. So we did not want to go through that big company that provides the worship music to all of the churches because that just doesn't seem right to me. I wonder if that would be a table Jesus would flip, to be honest with you, when we're charging churches royalties simply to worship. That just it just doesn't sit right with me. That's my conviction. So we don't want to do that. So what we're going to be doing is giving churches, if if any of this is something you might want to sing for a special song or in your congregation or for your choir, you have full and free permission to do that and to sing that anytime you want. So that's the number one thing. We will be making the background tracks available for purchase on the website. Again, that's a product that has, you know, cost somebody something. So that's just my conviction. But if you want to just have your band sing the songs and put them up on your screen, you have full and free permission to do that. So that's one of the reasons we're doing things this way. We're just not going the traditional route on purpose, um, and we wouldn't, uh, wouldn't do that. So that's our conviction. So again, the pre-order, kind of like a Kickstarter, elisachilders.com slash music, and that is really going to help support to help us get this all finished and out. It's going to come out either way. We're doing this all by faith, and God has provided, and he's continuing to provide, but we're giving you the opportunity to help support that as well. Now I want to tell you a bit about the five songs that are on the album. So the first song you just heard a snippet of, and that's Your Grace Is Enough. I told you about that one. That was a reflection of different times in my life when God's faithfulness and goodness, um, even though maybe I couldn't see it in the moment, were so evident to me. And another interesting thing that you might have noticed if you've read my book, there's a final verse on the finished version of Your Grace is Enough that was not in the book. And that's because I wrote that verse after we lost my nephew to um, a sudden accidental drug overdose. And that, that verse is says, you led me down into the darkness to be touched by death's sting, so I would look up to the light that first caused my heart to sing. For the hope of resurrection, I will follow wherever you lead. Your grace is enough for me. And that was a verse that was actually added after the publication of the book. So that's on, on there. So that's song number one. The second song is the oldest song. I don't know what order these are going to be in yet, but this one's called Strong Tower. And Strong Tower is sort of my crack at a modern hymn. This is a song I wrote uh, probably about 10 years ago. This was when I was just coming out of my faith crisis, starting to find my feet underneath me. And it's just talking about the truths of who God is, what his name is, what his love is, what his blood accomplished, and what his word promises to us. And so there's four stanzas that deal with all of those realms. And so that's Strong Tower. Then there's a song called Pray For Me, which is fairly recent, and I wrote that after a difficult conversation I had with someone that is very dear to me, someone I love very much about a sin struggle they were going through, and ultimately uh, the expression of repentance over that, but yet 
also an expression of just an overwhelmed sense of how am I going to walk this path? How am I going to die to myself and walk this path? And so I sat down at the piano with many tears in my eyes and wrote the song Pray For Me because ultimately it's a song of encouragement. Hey, we're in this together. God's going to finish the work he started in you. He is going to drag us across the finish line. We are his. We are sealed by his Holy Spirit. So pray for me and I'll pray for you. We're going to make it. Um, through that road that's narrow and the gate that's small. So that's Pray For Me. And then there's another song called, I'm trying to remember all the songs now. Um, Oh, The Battle is the Lord's. So some of you have already heard the song, The Battle is the Lord's. And that is the one that used to be on YouTube. It was just a little live version. It wasn't in my best performance, but it was up there. And some people have emailed me wanting permission to sing that song in their churches. And yes, you can, you have permission, but we've done a beautiful job. Well, I, I'm not taking credit for it. It's the producer, Scott Williamson, just did such a beautiful job. There's wall-to-wall strings on this song, piano, vocal, it's very intimate, but with just this beautiful string section. So I can't wait for you to get to hear that. Um, Grace, let's see, there's one. Oh, uh, the next one is called Prone to Wander. And this might be the most personal one. Uh, that I've written. And I wrote this one when I was going through a really particularly intense sin struggle in my mind, just these pervasive thoughts. And I would do all the things. I'm reading the word, asking God to renew my mind. I just remember sitting down at the piano and singing, Lord, teach my heart to obey. Lead me to trust in your name. Because left to myself, I fear I'd walk away. Um, And so the, the end of the song, well, of course, it's a nod to the hymn, my favorite hymn, Come Thou Fount, which I actually sing at the end of it. It goes into it with just strings and vocal, and it's very beautiful. So that's called Prone to Wonder. So those are the five songs. Very excited. Um, my hope in producing this is that I don't care if it gets big. I don't care about that. I want it to go deep. So I want hopefully these songs to minister to other people as they've ministered to me. There have been many times when I've had to sing these truths to myself at the piano along this path that God has had me on. So I hope that ministers to you. And again, you can get the pre-order at elisachilders.com slash music. And you can order copies for your friends, go make great Christmas presents. And that's a great way to support getting the music out there. And once again, another way you can support is to go subscribe on the new YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash at Alisa Childers Music. Of course, Facebook and Instagram at Alisa Childers Music. And that's already ready to go. We're going to be producing sneak peeks of the songs over the next several weeks before the album is released on October 24th. So if you follow along on those platforms, we're going to produce reels that give you little snippets of the songs. Uh, We're going to try to produce some videos on YouTube that tell the stories behind each song with a little bit of a snippet. So follow along because there's lots of new content uh, coming there. So very, very excited to bring all that to you. And with that said, I'm going to go ahead and go to your questions. And so this first one I'm going to read is from Matthew Middleberg. Hey, Matthew, I know Matthew. He's been on the podcast before. Matthew did a great episode with me uh, years ago now, Matthew, I think, even before we were on YouTube about the deconstruction of Rhett and Link. Matthew is a bright uh, up, uh, well, not so much up and coming anymore. He's just here. He's he's a great apologist, um, Matthew. So his question, Matthew, question is, I've often heard the lament that modern worship music is shallow or lacks theological content. But when I ask for specific examples, the songs given are perhaps repetitive or simple, but by no means unimportant. For example, Good Father. Uh, do you think there's any value in songs that may not explicate innumerable doctrinal truths, but simply focus on and celebrate one or two deep truths? So the short answer to this question, Matthew, is yes, absolutely. I'm think I think back at the old song, "Thank You, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank You, Lord, for making me whole. Thank You, Lord, for giving to me Thy great salvation, so rich and free." I mean, that's very simple, um, and and I think that yes, there are even I I would say you know I've heard people say this too that modern worship music is shallow or lacks or lacks theological content. I would certainly say some of it does. Some of it that is absolutely true of, and you know I hesitate to give examples because these are these are nice people people that write these songs, and I don't want to just trash their songs, but I will give you genre (laughs) um, suggestions about uh, or examples of what I might say. I I think there's a lot of really great stuff. But for example, there seems to be a whole 
corner of the market that is really just singing about how I feel when I worship. And I really have like an existential crisis with those kind of songs when I'm in a church where it's like, I feel alive when I worship you. I feel so good when I worship you. And I might just be having, a, I might be going through a really dark valley. And then I feel very conflicted. If I sing this, I'm actually lying. Or am I just singing it by faith? Or maybe I do sometimes feel that way. Or maybe I should just sing it and not be a stick in the mud in the corner. And it just causes this whole existential crisis. I feel like worship music shouldn't cause an existential crisis. <laughs> and so I think that yes, a song can be simple and focus on and celebrate one or two deep truths as long as they're actually true. Because another problem I see in some modern worship is that it's very vague. So you have songs where there's a lot of water metaphors and somebody who, and I'm gonna actually give you an example because I've written about this publicly before. I'm gonna give you an example of a song where this is the case, where it's very um, vague. I'm not saying that it's not true if you filter it through a Christian worldview, but because it's so vague and doesn't really extol the virtues of God, it could be interpreted through several different lenses. So here's, here's the example. You remember the song, You Make Me Brave. Now think about the lyrics of the chorus. You make me brave, you make me brave, you call me out beyond the shore into the waves. You make me brave, you make me brave. No fear can hinder now the love that made a way. Those are great lyrics. I remember the first time I heard that song, I was like, yes, like I am in for that. And what I was thinking of when I sang that song was that God is calling me to greater holiness, greater sacrifice for him, to trust him in the hard times, that no matter what valley I'm going through, I need to just get out of my comfort zone and follow him and leave it all behind, right? That was what I was thinking. But there was a church here in the Nashville area that sang that song on the morning that they came out in favor of LGBTQ plus inclusion. So they announced they would be performing gay marriages and that that would be some, that homosexuality would be something that God fully blessed and could call good. Now, I'm gonna sing those, I'm gonna say those words again. Now filter it through that worldview. You make me brave, you make me brave. You call me out beyond the shore into the waves. You make me brave, you make me brave. No fear can hinder now the love that made a way. So, because it's so vague, you could almost make it mean anything you want to. And so I think we need to be careful with songs like that, that are very vague. Now. I do think that there's a, a formula type thing that can happen that can be pretty shallow. Um, but by no means does that mean that everything out there is super shallow or lacking in theological content. Um, but I think when it's too vague, when there's too many metaphors and not enough clarity, that can be, in, that can be a problem. And um, when it's about how I feel when I worship rather than just worshiping. Uh, because no matter how I feel, if I'm extolling the virtues of God and talking about what he's done and coming to him in praise and adoration, then it doesn't matter how I feel. Maybe I, well, I still won't feel better after I say that, but he has still been worshiped. Often I do feel better when I've done that. But um, this is another thought I have about worship that sort of troubles me is that we've, and, and listen, I'm not condemning anybody who's, I've probably used this phrase, um, but I would just encourage churches and worship pastors to stop using the phrase worship experience, because what that does is that frames it in a way that says it's about what you get out of it. So worship, when we were, of course, worship is not just music. I get that. But when we have that worship time, that worship experience, so to speak, that triggers us to think, oh, I'm about to have an experience right now. And and that's just not what worship is about. When you look at what worship is about biblically, we have really gotten off course, I think, generally speaking, not everybody, but we've gotten off course in the church as to understanding what it is we're doing when we are coming to God in song worshiping. Songs are like catechisms. In fact, famously, uh, Bill Johnson of Bethel, um, Bethel Church said, you know, this. we want people to be singing the theology we want them to believe later. That's a paraphrase. I can't remember exactly. And of course, I've spoken out against uh, the New Apostolic Reformation and a lot of the music that's coming out of that. It's my position today that as best as we can, we should not be singing Bethel songs because that's exactly what's going on. You're being catechized into a particular theology that you may not pick up in the song, but it's sort of setting you up to accept this um, very, very unhealthy theology that's coming out of those streams. So um, I would say we have to be careful about what we even think we're doing when we come to worship. We're not, 
We're not coming to worship to stir something up. We don't have to persuade God to do something for us in our music. We come to worship God to praise and adore who he is, what he's done, and we will probably have a good experience because of that. But the freedom in that is that it's true and he's worshiped whether we feel better or not. And that gives me a lot of comfort. And so if I'm feeling terrible one Sunday and I just feel like the world's ending and I get up and sing how you know great thou art, I'm probably gonna feel better. But even if I don't, I sang it and God, God was worshiped and praised. So that was a very long answer, Matthew, to your question, but I do. I, I think what you're getting at is perhaps, and I'll put his question back up here. I think what you're getting at, Matthew, is that perhaps there's a lot of whining just in general and not a lot of really maybe thinking about how to go about solving the problem, right? Okay, Instagram, I'm not seeing any questions in your question box yet. So if you have questions on Instagram, put them in there. And um, that was Matthew asking from Facebook. So I am going to find another question from maybe YouTube this, uh, this time. Okay, here's Brother Guppy on YouTube. At what point does a worship song cross the line of not being a corporate worship song that should be played in a service setting? I'm really glad that you've asked this question, Brother Guppy, because I have a couple of thoughts about this. So I'm not entirely sure there is a hard line on that. Um, for example, on the five song EP that I'm releasing, not every one of those is something you would probably sing in a corporate setting, maybe just one or two, maybe just one, uh, maybe two. <laughs> um, so I think corporate worship should be songs that everybody can sing. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody has to relate with them. And that's the problem. Like, that's my problem with songs that are just about how I feel when I worship, because that's very subjective to each different person. Um, a worship song that sounds congregationally should be universal truths that anybody at any stated state in their life, any phase in life, no matter what they're going through, whether they're on a mountaintop or in a valley, can all sing corporately because these are eternal truths about God and eternal truths about the gospel and about his word and who he is that everybody, no matter where they are, can can sing because they're true, right? So when we sing songs like, um, that are, you know, all about how I feel, that is not gonna be the same for everybody. So I think that might be a line that we should be thinking about, um, a song that shouldn't be played, played in a uh, service setting. So um, maybe that's one of the lines. I think that um, I had another thought and I've lost it, so. <sighs> If I think of it, I'll come back to that. And um, by the way, if you've just tuned in, we've just announced a brand new platform, Elisa Childers Music, that you can find uh, youtube.com at Elisa Childers Music, Instagram and Facebook at Elisa Childers Music. And you can follow along for updates. Uh, this platform is gonna stay the same. We're gonna keep doing what we're doing. If you're not interested in the music, don't worry, keep on trucking. We're gonna keep doing what we're doing over here. Uh, but, uh, if you want to follow along, definitely go to those platforms because that's where we're going to be um, posting updates on all of that stuff. And you can pre-order again, alisachilders.com slash music. Okay, um, looking for questions here. And if anybody on Instagram has questions, go on and put them in the question box because I'm not seeing any yet. Uh, I think we're still live on Instagram. Yes, we are. So post your questions, guys, all about worship. This is the big worship episode. Um, Melissa says, they're doing an East Coast Jesus Revolution this weekend here, and I'm going, wish you were here. Oh, that's fun. Um, for many of you who don't know, we, uh, my dad was portrayed in the Jesus Revolution mu movie as the, you know, he was in the band Love Song, so that's kind of fun. Okay, Gwendolyn from YouTube is asking, will there be background tracks available to your songs? Yes, there will be. So those will be available on the website. And again, everything's going to be exclusive to elisachilders.com until January. Now, it, come January, February, somewhere in there, uh, everything will be available on iTunes and Spotify and all the places, but we're keeping it exclusive to elisachilders.com until that point, kind of viewing it as a little bit of a hybrid Kickstarter to help us kind of get that final push to get everything out and mixed and 
all of that. Oh, Matthew's got another question. Will there, when will the Elisa Childers Zoe Girl Jump 5 plus one crossover song drop? Well, probably never, but um, I do keep in touch with the Zoe Girls and I think that we are probably gonna do a podcast episode for sure talking about music. Maybe that'll be on the other platform, the Adelisa Childers Music platform. Okay, from Facebook, Cameron is asking, what are your thoughts on spontaneous worship during a Sunday service? Should we leave room for the Holy Spirit to move in such a way or keep it to a set list? Okay, so uh, let me let me come to this question very humbly, okay? Because um, this is something that my dad does quite a bit when he leads worship. He does spontaneous stuff. Of course, with him, it's just him. He doesn't generally have a band behind him. And I do see this happen um, quite a bit. And here's my thoughts on that, on a spontaneous, and I will give you the context that I did spend about 10 years, the past 10 years up until about COVID hit uh, as an artist in residence. So every four to six weeks, I led the weekend services at a church in Ohio, which is why a lot of people think I'm from Ohio, but I'm not. So I did do this for about 10 years. And so I do have thoughts. Um, I think it depends. I think it depends because what can happen when something spontaneous does happen, and I think what Cameron is talking about is perhaps when a worship leader is singing and just becomes overcome with love for the Lord and praise and worship and might just start singing a new song. I've certainly done that. And uh, I know many people who have. And I think that if the the worship pastor has allowed space for that and that's something that's welcomed, then I don't see any problem with it as long as it's just not a free-for-all because I've also been on platforms when somebody spontaneously sang a bunch of heresy. So I think that type of a thing should be, what's the word? I don't want to, well, controlled, yes, because all things should be done decently and in order. We shouldn't be out of order. We shouldn't be out of control. This is something Paul wrote quite a bit about. Um, to the Corinthian church. And so I think it's fine if the worship pastor has something that comes to his heart that he wants to share um, that that can, helps lead people into deeper worship. I think that's fine. But there can also become a pressure to do that in churches that do allow space for that. Um, there can almost be this pressure like, oh, I better come up with something spontaneous to give the people an experience. And I think we should avoid all of that. And if if that happens within a context where it's welcomed and allowed and something that is um, shepherded well, if that makes sense, I, there's no pro I don't see any reason to say that shouldn't be done. Um, but I think it really should be thought through and not be something that's just out of control or something that people feel pressure to do because it happened last week and then now we have to do it this week and it has to happen every week. So uh, I hope that makes sense. That's a good question, Cameron. Thank Cameron, thank you for that. Um, okay, I'm looking for more questions here. And again, um, if you have questions on Instagram, I'm not seeing them. They're not coming up in the question box, but I wanna take questions from you guys. So if you have questions about worship, we're talking all things worship today scrolling through. Okay, here's one. So this is from Jose Whosoever. How do you feel about redeeming a secular song for worship? For example, foreigners, I want to know what love is. Oh, <laughs> okay. So not a huge fan. I'll be honest. I'm not a huge fan of that. I think we can probably do better than that. Um, I do have a funny story to tell you about something like that that happened once. I was in Zoe Girl back many, many years ago, and we were on a particularly grueling tour. And we were pulling up our bus to this outside festival, and we get up to the, the platform, the stage, and there's these old guys. They're on the drums, and they're playing. And I'm like, oh, it's our sound check time. I'm so tired. I just want to do my sound check and go back to my dressing room and rest. And I was exhausted. And all of a sudden, they're like, they're singing journey songs. And I'm like, why are these old guys singing journey songs? And all of a sudden it dawns on us, all the girls and our road manager at the same time. And my road, my road manager goes, exit the stage, exit the stage right now. This is journey. This is actually journey, the band. So, um, that was journey, the old guys singing journey songs. Well, they were on the main stage. So at the festival, we were on the smaller Christian stage that was not that far from the main stage. So when we were in between songs on our set. You could hear the music from the Journey stage very, very loudly. And so at this time, we were doing 
gospel presentations during our concerts. And so I remember I gave the gospel presentation. And when I asked for a response, I, I kid you not, it was the most perfect thing that happened. Journey starts singing, so now I come to you with open arms. And, and, and that was the response song because that's what happened. So that's a bit of a funny story that is a true story. And so there you go. All right. I, um, couple more questions from, let's see, David on Facebook is asking, will charts be available? That is a great question. I don't have an answer for you on that. I think we would like to make that become available, but we'll have to figure that out. That's a great idea. Um, okay. Righteous Apparel on YouTube is asking, what songs or artists do you listen or worship to? Whew, that's a good question. Uh, to be honest with you, I just don't listen to a lot of music these days because if I have time to listen to something, it's usually going to be an audiobook or a podcast or something that I can be learning something on. Plus, I'm taking my classes at Southern Evangelical Seminary, so that's kind of something that's always going on. Um, but uh, I will tell you one example. When I was writing my book, Another Gospel, I had in my mind my <clears throat> sort of my parameters. Like, I'm, this is the main thing I'm going to stick with. And I wanted to really focus on the atoning sacrifice of Jesus and not get moved from that. And so just about every morning when I was writing another gospel, I listened to the Shane and Shane version of Oh, Praise the Name, uh, because it's all about the death and resurrection of Jesus. And that was to just remind myself, it was to start my day with worship and remind myself of what I would not be moved off of as far as what defines, you know, a defining factor of the Christian faith is that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Yes, the Bible talks in various different metaphors and language about what Jesus accomplished on the cross. We would never plumb the depths of the atonement even in an entire lifetime, but there's one aspect of atonement that's being rejected by progressive Christians, and that's that Jesus' death is in some meaningful sense substitutionary or sacrificial, that his sacrifice um, paid for our sins so that we could be reconciled to a holy God. I would not be moved off of that. And so I, I worshiped with that song every morning. So if Shane and Shane ever sees this, thank you. Thank you for that song, because that really helped me write my book. Um, all right, here's one from Insta uh, Instagram. Thoughts on singing or listening to songs that are from artists that have deconstructed on the way to deconstruction, bad doctrine, example, Hillsong or Bethel, either on a personal basis or in church. Okay, so let's start with that last one. Uh, it is my position that if at all possible, churches should avoid singing songs from Bethel and probably Hillsong as well at this point. Although I do admit there are some really great songs that have come out of there that are really doctrinally sound. So that's why I went back and forth on that for a while. But it is my position now that because you're you're paying money to those outlets when you do that, um, you could potentially inadvertently be priming your church for bad theology later. Um, and I just that's my position now as best now. But I will say, look, I'm not I don't mean I'm not trying to take anybody's meaningful experiences away from them. There's a song that I sang at my nephew's funeral that comes from one of those outlets. And I just when it comes on, I'm really touched by it. And it's theologically sound. And I'll I'll usually sing along with that one because it just really touches my heart. And it's really about Jesus and the gospel. And it's a really good song. So I don't want to be legalistic about it. But I do think worship leaders, if you're listening to me, I think we should do everything we can to not support those outlets at this point. Now, a resource I would strongly recommend to you would be a book called Counterfeit Kingdoms by Holly Pivick and Doug Guyvett, particularly the chapter on worship music. That is the chapter that pursues persuaded me to, to change my position. And my position used to be let the song stand on its own, but now um, it's we need to be diligent to try to avoid. Now, this is something you need to be aware of. You can't just look a song up on YouTube and say, oh, well, Bethel performs this song. That doesn't necessarily mean someone from Bethel wrote it. They might have just covered it. So what you need to do is uh, dig down to find out who published the song originally. Who are the songwriters? Are they affiliated with Bethel and Hillsong? Or is this maybe something that somebody like—because um, there have been songs that have been written by— um, 
and I can't think of of the name right now, but somebody who's okay, but then Bethel covers it. And then you see it on YouTube as Bethel and you think, oh, that's a Bethel song. So we have to do our diligence to really uh, examine, um, you know, whether whether or not that's actually happening. So that's my the first part of that answer. And again, if you're just tuning in, uh, the question is thoughts on singing or listening to songs that are from artists who are deconstructing or have deconstructed. So here's my thoughts on that. There is a song that I even led from the platform from an artist who, when they wrote it, they were not deconstructed, but have deconstructed now. And uh, I sang that as a prayer over them. So I, I remember singing the song, um, and I can't exactly remember who the artist was or what the song was, I just remember doing this, but singing it over them, like praying for them as I sang that song. So... Um, I think that's probably a, a, something that is going to be left to each person's personal conviction. I can't say that there is a hard line on that. I certainly would caution new music from people who have deconstructed because that's going to be coming from a place of um, a completely different theological perspective. But if there's an old song from somebody who has now deconstructed, I, I think that would be a matter of personal conscience. And perhaps you could use that as an opportunity to pray for that person, um, that the Lord would draw them back. I spend time praying for people who have deconstructed, even influencers in the realm of deconstruction. I pray for them. And that's because I want to keep my heart very soft toward them. So, um, Let me see if there's other questions here. Oh, here's a question from the Black and Blurred podcast. Brandon, I love this podcast, you guys. You got to listen to Black and Blurred. Um, okay, is there a correlation between suffering? This is from Instagram. Is there a correlation between suffering and worship in the life of a believer? Can the intensity of the former contribute to the depth of the latter? Brandon, I suspect you know that this is yes, 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 yes. All the yeses on that. There is Gosh, I don't I can't explain the correlation between suffering and the depth of worship that you can go to, but we've all seen it, haven't we? When uh, my nephew passed away suddenly, I was drawn in so deep to the Lord and in awe of his goodness and his faithfulness. In fact, this is something Tim Chalice and I discussed in a conversation we had that will be on the podcast very soon because he talked about, uh, a similar experience where his son passed away very suddenly. And how does that make any sense that in that time of absolutely unthinkable tragedy and suffering, that beauty can come out of that so much? And that's really, I mean, that's the title of the EP is Beauty from the Ash, because uh, we see that so often that the Lord does that. And so, uh, yes, I do think suffering God turns it into so much beauty. I think we see that in the lives of people like Johnny Erickson Tata and Corey Ten Boom. And I even wrote about my friend Maydine. She is a scholar, but also the wife of New Testament scholar Craig Keener. Many of you are familiar with Craig Keener, where she was a refugee in, the, in Congo for 18 months. And just the suffering and, and the depth of worship that God brings out of those type of uh, circumstances. So, uh, yes, I do think there is a correlation. Um, okay. Uh, on YouTube, the question is, are you writing worship songs that, and when can we use them in our church? You can use them as soon as they're available and for free. Uh, you don't have to pay, uh, another company to be able to put the lyrics on your screen and to have your band sing them. So that's just free permission to do that. And, um, so you can use them as soon as they're available. So that's coming out October 24th. We will be releasing snippets of songs. There is, if you missed this announcement before, there is a complete song up on the Adelisa Childers Music YouTube channel right now called Your Grace Is Enough. You can listen to the whole song, and if you want to sing it, you can. It's, I'm not sure if that's really a corporate one, but that's something somebody could sing in a church. Um, Denise from YouTube is asking, should hymns be strictly Bible verse based? So if I'm understanding your, your question correctly, Denise, you're asking, like, should hymns be maybe paraphrases of Bible verses or direct references to Bible verses? Um, I don't think they have to be. I think that hymns can be a summary of the gospel. A great example of a modern hymn that does this is In Christ Alone. 
uh, from the Gettys. I think that's a beautiful modern hymn that isn't exactly quoting scripture, but it's walking you through the gospel from um, start to finish there. So I don't think they necessarily need to, although I... A lot of the songs that I've been working on do reference scripture directly, but not all of them. Um, okay, um, Justin from YouTube is asking, I've just joined my church's worship team and I've been loving it. However, they occasionally play Bethel music. I have big problems with Bethel music, but should that be a deal breaker for me? So Justin, here would be my advice to you. I think many people watching today and listening today are in this boat right there with you. Um, a Bethel song is going to get by virtually every um, gatekeeper, right? So um, I don't think it's necessarily a deal breaker, but what I would encourage you to do is begin now really praying for your worship pastor, praying that the Lord will open a door for you to raise some concerns. And when the time is right, raise, the, raise those concerns. I think it's totally legitimate for you to pull your worship pastor aside, maybe buy him lunch, take him for coffee, and just say, hey, could I bring something up and just put it in your ear? And I would also really recommend purchasing a copy of Counterfeit Kingdoms, the book by Holly Pivick and Doug Guyva, and just asking your worship pastor to read that one chapter. Just read the one chapter, you know, say, I know everybody's giving you books, but could you just read this one chapter and then could we discuss it? And maybe see if there's openness there, see what kind of a um, because what I have found is that in the church at large, many people are really unaware of how far Bethel theology has gone, um, because not all of the far stuff is in the music. So it's you have sort of this medium place in the music. There definitely are, and this is what I saw in the book in that chapter, is they really point out specific examples of why this line is not okay, because this is really a, a, a certain theology that they have there that is really not historically Christian. So... Maybe see if they if your pastor would be willing to and and maybe start that conversation. And then there may come a time, Justin, when it's just a brick wall and maybe that f becomes a conviction for you where you say, I just I don't think I can be a part of this anymore. So maybe see what you can, um, how much you can communicate and what is received. So let's see other questions. Um, let's look on Instagram. Okay, here's a good question from Shannon on Facebook. What are some things to look for in worship songs that are considered progressive? So, Shannon, this is an interesting question because there really aren't a lot of overtly progressive worship songs. And here's what I mean by that, because primarily much of the music we're singing is not coming from progressive Christianity. It's coming from more of that New Apostolic Reformation, hyper-charismatic, NAR, Bethel, Hillsong kind of elevation, all of that stuff. And so there is a bit of overlap between progressive and that, but typically New Apostolic Reformation churches will check all the gospel boxes, whereas progressives would not. Progressives would deny the substitutionary atonement of Jesus. NAR would not deny that. Uh, progressives would deny the inerrancy of Scripture. NAR would not deny the inerrancy of Scripture, even if in practice they do. I, I think they do in practice, but on paper they would not. So I think that what you want to look for—now, there are some progressive worship songs. I've heard them. They're going to be very me-focused, very much about my journey and my—what uh, I am doing in my life. It is not uncommon for progressives to take old hymns and change the words— um, like take out words like saved a wretch like me, take uh, in Christ alone and take out the word wrath. Or even I saw one where somebody, instead of the hymn that says, um, this is my story, this is my song, you know, that one, Blessed Assurance, it was a song praising doubt. And it was saying, well, what is your story? What is your song? Uh, and so I would look for changes in lyrics on that. And also just um, looking for anything that's just overtly me-centered. Now, that we have to be careful with that, too, because I don't think there's anything wrong. Even some old hymns sing about what God has done for me. 
Um, and there's nothing wrong with that if that's true. If, if you're talking about, you know, saved a wretch like me is about me, right? Um, so, but I think more the me-centered songs that are focusing on how I feel when I worship or the experience I'm having or all the feels and all of that stuff. I think we need to be careful with that. Okay, Kara on Facebook is asking, I've seen some churches automatically ban songs associated with churches such as Hillsong or Bethel, and yet there are some songs with solid theologically sound lyrics. I agree with you on that. So if a song was written by musicians associated with a church that isn't considered theologically sound on a larger level, but the song itself has theologically sound lyrics, do you broadly automatically dismiss it or sing it? Well, okay, so I saw this question after I sort of answered this a little bit. I mentioned that there is one song I still sing because it just has a lot of meaning for me. I sang it at my nephew's funeral. It's theologically sound. So I do personally make an exception for that. Um, maybe that makes me a hypocrite. I don't know. But I realize that there are those types of scenarios. But I, I think my general broad statement is that if I could wave a magic wand I would say to worship pastors, let's do everything we can to remove those songs from our playlist. And what that will also do is make room for theologically sound people to begin filling those, those gaps um, and creating less competition in that sense. I think that might be—and um, I say that as someone—I don't really write corporate music. I, I've asked the Lord to help me do it. I don't really tend to be able to have the knack of writing congregational stuff. My songs tend to be more very worshipful, but— not so much something an entire congregation would sing. So I'm praying that God will raise up songwriters that will write songs that are congregational. And that's this is where I also kind of have a pet peeve. This goes back to Matthew's original question, um, the lament about the simplicity. Uh, part of the reason worship songs are so simple is because a lot of people have to be able to sing them. Um, so I don't have a problem with it being repetitive or being very simple chord chord wise, the chords being very simple or the melody be being very simple, because it has to be simple for people who aren't musicians to be able to catch on and sing it. So I kind of don't really dig the whole, oh, worship songs are the same four chords. Well, yeah, because that's what creates something simple enough for an entire congregation to sing along. All the hymns are quite simple. Um, melodically and chordally. Some are, some are more complicated than others, but people, I think, were more musically focused back then because we didn't have all the distractions of YouTube and media and our phones and all of this stuff. <clears throat> so there's my answer to that. Um, Seth on YouTube. Hi, Seth. Will you put songs on Spotify? Yes, eventually in uh, January, February, somewhere in there, they will go to iTunes and Spotify. But until October 24th, they are going to be available exclusively at alisachilders.com slash music. Um, okay, I am going to take maybe one more question about music. Um, okay, I'll end. This is a good one to end with. From Leanna on Facebook, can we expect more of this in the future? please. <laughs> um, Liana, I sure hope so. Here's my, my dream and my desire that I think God is putting in my heart. As I've recorded these five songs, I've actually started writing more. I've just been so inspired to sit down at the piano and write more songs. And so my great hope, this is my great hope, that this will um, provide a way to do more. And that's going to be, you know, if enough people buy it and it provides a way financially to do more, again, we're not going through labels. We're not going to go through the traditional route. So this is all self-financed, but it has to, but I, I want it to be excellent, right? So that costs money because you have to pay for good musicians. You have to pay for great producers and uh, mixes and mastering and all the things that make a song sound excellent. So I would love to see this do well enough to provide a way to do more because Again, I don't care if I go big, but I want to go deep. I want to go deep with the people who are really going to be blessed by this music. So God bless you guys. Again, go to alisachilders.com slash music, and that is how you will pre-order. It will help us out so much if you really—that is just—if you want to support the music, go do the pre-order. That's what's really going to help. If you also want to help 
promote this because we don't have, again, we don't have professional marketing. We don't have PR. This is going to just have to be word of mouth and the Holy Spirit because we are not paid. We don't have money for all of that. So um, you are the marketers. If you want to help promote it, a great way to do that is to follow on Instagram and Facebook, which is at Elisa Childers Music. Just go in and start liking stuff and commenting. Um, I hate asking for that, but that's just how it works. It'll trigger Facebook and Instagram to say, hey, people care about this. I'm going to let some other people know about it, maybe put it in their newsfeed. Of course, sharing on social media, sharing on um, through email, maybe even sending the, the link and maybe the video to your music pastor is a great way to do that as well. So uh, again, thank you guys so much for your support. And again, if you're following on this platform, we're not going to be bugging you about music stuff all the time. If you want to follow the music journey, go to Facebook and Instagram at Elisa Childers Music and go to youtube.com slash at Elisa Childers Music and follow along there. So without any further ado, as we pursue Christ, let's remember to keep a sharp mind, a soft heart, and a thick skin. We'll see you next time.